Welcome to allthingsnew.tech, where we are exploring the intersection of theology and technology. Technology is changing our jobs, relationships, and even our identities. It's easy to get excited about all the new things, but as Christians, we also believe that God is redeeming this world through His effort, making all things new. Today, Paul Taylor from All Things New is talking with Ian Shu, the founder of Prayvine. The mission of Prayvine is to mobilize prayer for mission workers. Paul and Ian will be talking about how using technology to pray affects our spiritual life, using technology to help with healing, and God's ability to work through any medium. We hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, well, I'm Paul Taylor, and I'm talking today with Ian Shu, an old friend from college. And Ian's got a background in technology, mostly hardware, and then consulting with Intel. Ian founded four years ago an organization called Prayvine, which you can check out at prayvine.org. And Prayvine's goal is to connect missionaries with their supporters through online prayer. I'm on Prayvine's board, and it's been fun to see... Ian's progress and Prayvine's progress as they're in this endeavor. But Ian, just to start, we'll get to talking more about Prayvine, but I'm, I'm interested kind of originally for you, what what motivated you to start working in technology? Yeah, I always grew, I, I grew up around technology. My dad was an entrepreneur. He moved to the States for grad school and then um, worked at a at an engineering company, but he wasn't there very long. So most, a lot of the time growing up, my dad, he was running a, um, a laser company. And I thought that was cool, Lasers right? Lasers are cool. Lasers are cool. <laughs> Especially um, for kids. I remember him outfitting his office the first time. I was like, whoa, you got this awesome chair, and you got this nice desk. And, yeah. um, and I think like as, like lots of boys i look up to my dad and um and so i th- i think that's where yeah everything began lasers i remember thinking about lasers as a kid too i was I was very into it also nice that's very cool um so tell me a little bit about your path then kind of working through hardware and you worked for a couple of startups what kind of soft what kind of technology were you doing in various seasons of your career right um so I did my undergrad uh, in electrical engineering, and immediately after graduation, I worked. This was height of the dot-com kind of bubble, and I worked at a at a software company. We were building the first um, online platform for the energy services sector, that I guess the first e-commerce platform that there was, and... Um, I thought that was pretty neat. I was more on the technical side at that point, you know, in charge of databases and data. And um, it became really clear that the business questions were interesting and that I wanted to understand those a little bit better. So I went back to um, school for a master's in management science and engineering with the focus on entre- entrepreneurship. Yeah. Um, and, I guess the thing about careers is like timing matters a lot and there's a lot of serendipity. And when I finished my master's, like the dot com thing was over. Right. And there were very shiny new new degree. (laughs) Yep. And, uh, and so 
I had done a bunch of summer internships at semiconductor plants, and the only job offer I got out of school was at um, at AMD, semiconductor company, doing uh, technical marketing. Mm -hmm. So um, when you only have one choice, that makes it real easy. There you go. Uh, And so I worked there for a few years, and then AMD and Fujitsu spun off a company called Spansion, and I was part of that spinoff and you know one of the things that really interested me at that point was um getting a little bit away from the hardcore technical stuff and getting more into the, like aspects of branding and communication and right. um and the web because there was i mean new company there was no one there in charge of anything so yeah. i kind of raised my hand and said okay you know, why don't I start building websites for the new company? And um, and I guess that's how I first got into like user experience. Right. And um, and that was great. It was um, you know a chance to to grow a team, to f- learn within an organization how to get stuff done. And after doing that for a while, I. Uh, so my wife and I, we had been married about four years or so, and I was working at Spansion, and um, she wanted, you know, she wanted to start a family. And I grew up with a sister 14 years younger than me, and I saw how hard it was on my parents. And <laughs> and so I always called having kids going to jail, and I just kept telling people. That probably people, went over well with, with your <laughs> wife, right? Uh, she has a good sense of humor. And now your kids, they probably appreciate it. <laughs> well, it's the best jail, right? The best jail, it, yeah, okay. yeah. It's, Very kind jailer. That's right. That's right? right. Yeah, it's it's a jail full of love good. and uh, <laughs> and hugs. So, um, so we did this crazy thing, and we uh, we both quit our jobs, and we spent six months traveling around the world because there were certain that. things that I wanted to see, right? Like I wanted to go to Rwanda and talk to genocide survivors. I wanted to go visit visit missionaries and and friends in different places and um yeah like it wasn't just let's go to all the the fun places yeah. it was kind of a learning trip and um and when i came back there was you know when you see things up close and are confronted with the types of problems that there are in this world it's hard not to be moved yeah i remember in africa we were in kenya um we were staying with the host family they would tell us stories like if a bank needed to hire a clerk to fill a position they would hire three people for one job because they would they assume that two would die of aids and you know hearing those stories being there it's hard to come back and be like, oh, I'm just going to go work at a startup. Right, yeah. Um, and so that that was always in the back of my mind, but that's what I did go and work at right, a startup. I remember that, yeah. Um, you know, doing new media stuff, largely around photo sharing. And uh, around the time that that startup got acquired, I saw this opening at Stanford University for someone to direct their new media strategy. Um, and I thought, man, if there's any company or organization in the world that can do something about all these problems that I witnessed, right? Like problems of economic development, health, 
um, politics, like it would be a place like Stanford. Yeah. And so I applied and I got the job. And so for about five years, I worked at Stanford um, heading up new media strategy, which means I was basically looking at all the new shiny toys right. at the time, Twitter, Facebook, um, you know, YouTube, and trying to figure out how those could be used across the university for all sorts of goals. So anything from alumni relations to fundraising to athletics. And um, as part of that, I, I, I got to understand at a fairly deep level what makes things like social networks tick, right. right? Like, why are they so sticky and why, you know, why is it hard to not go to a place like Facebook yeah. every day? And, and I think a lot of this is to say that God doesn't waste any experiences, yeah. right? You so like all these things build, all these things build, connect and exactly form some foundation. Yep. And, it was kind of arresting because this, this was probably about five or six years ago. There was a series of events that um, that God used to really convict my heart about the relationship between missionaries and mission workers and their senders at home. Um, my wife and I, there's a couple who we support. They're Bible translators. Um, and they came back on furlough, and we've supported them for lots and lots of years. We went to college with them. And the moment I saw them in the fellowship hall, I realized, oh my gosh, I can't remember the last time I prayed for you. And I don't know the name of your kids. How can I even have a conversation with you um, without kind of demoralizing you? Right. And then the other thing that came to mind is, oh, wow, like I, I could have been so much more deeply invested beyond setting up monthly giving. You know, I, I could have been so much more actively participating and the advancing of God's kingdom and um, yeah, and having God grow that heart in me more. And shortly after that happened, um, one more I woke up and God planted this idea in my head that, you know, asking the question, is there anything I can do with, um, I guess, the knowledge and skills that God had provided me to help solve this problem because a lot of missionaries are quite disconnected from their um, their supporters and their friends at home. So let me ask about that for a minute because this is interesting and this is part of what I'm exploring. So, so here you are, you're a Christian, you're supporting missionaries and you're confronted with two problems. One is you're not actually that relationally or spiritually connected to these missionaries. Mm -hmm. You don't know them very well. And mm -hmm. then Two, you're not connected with the work that God is doing in the world personally through them, and so some lack of you. And so here's problems that are relational and spiritual and missional in nature. They're very deep problems. And then you, somewhere along the line, think these problems can be maybe not solved, but helped by technology right and so technology can be a can be something that enters into these kinds of problems so what it strikes me that's a little bit audacious like how could technology help that and i think you're right but how do you did you did that seem odd to you or was it just a natural like these are the things i'm good at 
so I should use my skills and technology to solve these problems. Right. I mean, technology is so ubiquitous, and the way that it changes human behavior and human relationships, the way that it changes kind of how we spend our time and attention, um, and kind of the markets and competition for that, I mean, technology is going to impact um, in a very deep way how we live. Yeah. Whether is, or not... And it is impacting it and changing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And so... And a lot of that is designed, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, organizations and companies with... um you know, with certain goals in terms of creating shareholder value or right. um, gaining market share, or anything like that. A lot of that behavior is designed. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, of course, lots of unintended consequences oftentimes right. that come about from kind of designing behavior. But it's not an accident that, you know, that at that time anyways, yeah. uh, people were spending tons of time on Facebook and so, so then you figure you can build something that changes behavior or affects behavior, or right? Even, and, and this is what's fascinating about technology: it doesn't just change our behavior, but it, it shapes us. Yes, absolutely, as people, and changes us on a deep level, not just the way we spend our time. But yes, and so you think, okay, we can create something that can actually shape the way people interact with missionaries and yes. with mission in general. And, and oftentimes, you know, it's really little things that I think go speak to the the ways that human beings in general have, you know, been designed or have evolved. Um, like seeing someone's face is yeah. really, really powerful. And so, you know, that's why I like profile photos anytime you join – um, some network or install a new app, that's the first thing they want you to do. Right. Um, and so it does tap into what it means to be human um, and uses that, right? I, I think the designers of technology do that. They and capitalize on some essential raw elements of human experience. Is exactly, that, that exactly. Saying? Exactly. The the desire for feedback um, and affirmation. Right. Um, yes, the, those things are all, all pretty powerful, and um, those are levers. Right. So Previne takes the idea not just of missionaries, but of, of prayer and capitalism. Give, give me just for the sake of people who aren't familiar, kind of the one-minute summary of what Previne does and okay. why it's built. and. The closest analogy is that Previne is like CaringBridge for missionaries. CaringBridge is a site for people who have um, some serious illness and they don't have, they don't want to have the same conversation a million times. And you know, private, secure way to communicate and engage with um, some group of people. And Previne is like that for missionaries. Um, most mission workers, the way that they connect and engage their partners is through newsletters. So. You know, sometime between like between four to twelve times a year, they'll send via email or paper a collection of stories. This is what has been happening, and you know, you, you've been a part of that. And here's how you can pray for us moving forward. Right. Um, 
Previne is a little bit different from that because through doing a lot of interviews with folks, it became clear that newsletters don't get read oftentimes. And when they are read, they're not particularly engaging, right? So like there's a fundamental difference between asking your friend, like if someone asked me to pray for them because they have a job interview tomorrow, there's a sense of urgency there right. and there's a sense of participation in the journey, right? Like I'm together with you and, um, Versus yeah. like a Christmas update that I send out at New Year's. That and, says, you know, like I, a month ago I went for a job interview right. and yeah. And they're like, great now. Yeah, right. e- exactly. So yeah. an FYI versus an engagement. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and so um, that's kind of one of the, you know, key parts of Previne is helping mission workers change their conception of their relationship with their partners. It's no longer, um, you know, I'm collecting good stories in order for them to feel like there's some sense of ROI. Um, but rather the moment at which something happens and the spirit is moving, that is when that is, you know, my partners are part of this in a very significant way. And we don't know what the outcome is going to be because God can take a long time to answer prayers or, answer yeah. them in ways that we don't expect. Um, but at least, you know, we're in this together. And it's a matter of faith, both for the mission worker as well as their partners. Um, and so kind of that real-time shift in how mission workers think about themselves and their partners is is part of it. And then the other part of it is just kind of closing the loop um, and Eliminating friction in communication between right. um, mission workers and their supporters. So, um, you know, it, it's easy enough when someone gets an email newsletter to hit the reply button and write a couple sentences, but no one does it. Right. Um, and so, you know, something as simple as there's, a, there's an engagement within Prayvine called Pray Silently where when someone receives a prayer request, they click or tap the Pray Silently button, and it takes them to a clean, distraction-free environment where all they see is a picture of the missionary and their prayer request. And um, and then we build in a little bit of accountability by having an I prayed for this button at the bottom to close that out, um, as well as, you know, kind of helping partners understand, like, by praying for this right now, we're going to let the mission worker know, and that's going to be a huge encouragement for them. And so what used to take a whole bunch of effort, you know, having the idea to hit the reply button, kind of feeling intimidated about, oh, I don't know what to write. Um, Now it's just two button taps with a prayer in between. And um, and so I think that's that's one example of how Prayvine works, but it's all about – you know, more real-time updates and participation and really making it easy to to go back and forth between the mission worker and their supporters. So one of the ways Prayvine works, I mean, you, you can pray silently, but also missionaries can post prayer requests and you can write out prayers in yes. response to those prayer requests. And I remember in our early conversations about this, talking about how you're doing a couple things at once. You're creating a platform, but you're also, in a sense creating a new 
method of prayer for people to engage in. So you, as people come up to speed with Prayvine, they, they have to start using this new product, but they also have to almost add a behavior to their life right. or a kind of prayer. And, and I think that's what I want to talk a little bit about is just how interesting it is. So I see a prayer request on my screen and I have a box that looks just like a Facebook comment box or something. Mm -hmm. And I type into that box a prayer. And, you know, one of the questions is like, does that count? Like, ha like, have I prayed? Is, I mean, God's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He knows, but is he online? Does he see that? Is right. It, and it's, it's a new kind of behavior, but right. So I'm curious, like, and I've done this and I am a user of Prayvine and I, I think it does count, but I, but you've you've not just created a platform; you've created a way of praying that never existed. I wouldn't go so far, maybe not, but right? It's, because, but it's, like, you look in the Bible, sure. and there are lots and lots of written prayers. And I looked at that, so I'm glad you brought that up because it's interesting that a lot of the prayers in the Bible. I, I was trying to figure out before we had this conversation. I was looking through: are they prayers or are they? accounts of prayer mm. you know and this is a, so i was looking at like um philippians 1 3 says i thank my god always in every prayer so so paul's describing right, what right. he does in prayer right. and and uh first thessalonians we give thanks constantly mentioning you in our prayers so it's but but then you do have records of like john 17 jesus had spoken these words and then you hear jesus's prayer right. to the father so because I, I was wondering about that there, there are these written prayers but is it is that a is that a record of the prayer or is it the prayer itself and and ultimately this is not you know God hears it all so it all counts but but I'm wondering whether you've had any feedback on that from from people from missionaries like like have you like has this changed people's prayer lives has right. it changed the way they interact with God for some people it has um, I, I can speak from kind of my own personal experience. Yeah. The the fact that there's a backspace button in the prayer process is right. is really helpful for me anyways okay. because um you know a lot of people say it's it's good to speak your prayer because that actually forces you to articulate clearly right. um to God and you know rather than kind of you know most my my general experience of prayer is is one of my mind wandering. I'm thinking about one thing and then right. it wanders to the next. But when I'm forced to speak, then, yeah, thought has to be put into the words. And and the backspace button is amazing because, you know, I'll start writing something and then, you know, God does something with the Spirit and he'll bring a Bible verse to mind or some truth to mind. And then I'll be like, oh, no, that's not really what, I want to pray for. Right. And that's not really what would be most helpful. So I hit the backspace and then I try again. And for me, you know, that discipline is, has been really good. Now to your point, most people who have used Prayvine don't experience that because it's intimidating. Mm. You know, it, it is a new way. Scared off by that or. Yeah. I, I think they're scared off by yeah. it. And, and I think there's a level of self-consciousness about it as sure. well. So um, 
so there's this tension bef- between I want to design something that that helps with the people the way people are ready to do something. So, you know, one thing we've talked a lot about is speech prayer. Right. Most people are accustomed to praying by speech. Yeah. And that's, you know, an important um kind of feature in the product roadmap uh, because, you know, that way more people can participate because that's how they're used to participating. Sure, right. um, whereas, yeah, a lot fewer people will try the new thing. But you are offering them, I mean, to your point about the backspace, transforming prayer, they're, I think American Christians, you know, we're, we're, we're so fascinated by authenticity and spontaneity that something's lost in that as well, mm-hmm. where you know, the saints of old would write their prayers and we read their prayers and we read the prayers in the scriptures and mm-hmm. they're so rich and deep. And yep. probably those didn't come out that way the first draft. Right. So the idea of having the time and the space and technology providing that to craft the prayer that really articulates what you want to articulate, even that process of yes. creating the prayer is itself a prayerful process mm-hmm. of knowing how you want to communicate to God. Yes. Yes. And, you know, a lot of people, they'll keep notebooks of sure. things they prayed for and how God answered. But I think having the actual text of what you prayed for and being able to go back after time and saying, oh, wow, God actually answered this specific thing like five different ways, you know, in the past 10 years. And and being in a community around that. That's so right. It's not that's just a right. prayer journal that that's right. God sees, but now you're praying not just for this missionary, but the missionary other supporters. You're yes. part of this community supporting yes. this. And so, I mean, it, it, it's incredible to me just to think about, to back to my original question of like, can, can theology solve these deep problems? Here you have, the, or sorry, can technology you have a, t- a simple technological thing yep. that allows you to engage with God, allows you to connect more deeply with missionaries, creates a community around those missionaries. Yep. And and it's like just the arrows of connection and depth of relationship are, are everywhere. Yes. And it's really, it's really cool. It's really neat to think that that's, and you're right. It's not that different from the scriptures because the scriptures are the authors can even with God and, they create a community that we right. form around it, and um, but it's it's a new thing for our day. Yeah, I, I mean, part of it is like I, I think about you know, and I can only imagine what um, what the new heavens and the new earth will be like. But there are elements of community that I'm guessing that will be richer and deeper than anything we experience here. Right. Um, you know, like, and, and maybe technology can help get us a little, at least little glimpses yeah. of that, like, right. you know, a dull mirror or whatever. Give us a taste. Um, yeah, but this is not the, the be all and end all, but, you know, as with everything else, it's pointing to something greater yeah. um, that God has in store. So one of the things we've, we're, we want to be aware of, too, thinking about technology and theology. So the, the definition we use at allthingsnew.tech for technology is something that humans create that extends our natural capabilities. So technology doesn't give us 
doesn't allow us to do anything we couldn't already do. It just helps us to do it differently or better or in an extended way, which I think Prayvine certainly fits with, right? You're not creating a, the opportunity to pray. We can always pray. We can right. always connect with missionaries. We can always form a community. We can right. always do these things. But here's a way to extend it in a way that, that meets some needs that maybe were harder to meet before. But we also want to recognize, and we see this time and time again, I think one of the one of the fears around technology is that by extending our capabilities, we would actually remove some level of dependence on God mm-hmm. and lose something about what it means to be human. And so I would say people get excited about technology because it offers to extend their humanity, but they're afraid of technology because they fear that it might degrade their humanity. Yeah, I mean, the reality is, no matter how much technology you have, we are so dependent on God right. for everything. Sure. So maybe it degrades our awareness of our dependence. That may be is a better true. way to say it. But, mm-hmm. I, but I'm curious. I mean, maybe on, on one level you'd say, hey, you know, I'm creating a platform for people to pray and support missionaries. Like, there's no danger there. Like, we're on safe ground, right? Mm-hmm. But in a, but I'm curious, have you thought about, like, is there a way that even this technology could unintentionally, of course, but remove dependence on God? Like, create my faith in the technology versus God, you know? Is there that danger that, that maybe lurks in every technology, but... Um, yeah, it's an interesting question, and luckily, I don't think that deeply. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I don't think about Which that Which I think that you much. need to not think too deeply to be an entrepreneur, because you just need to forge ahead and right. create your stuff. Can't worry too much about the pitfalls. But Yeah, I, I need to chew on that for a yeah, little bit. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Uh-huh. That's fair. Um, so another, another interesting thought... I, I, hope you're okay talking about this, mm-hmm. but but it strikes me just the path that God has you on. I know a couple of years ago you had this, this terrible accident mm-hmm. and it strikes me that, you know, you're, you're trying to do, and I remember just that season where you couldn't build Previne as fast as you wanted mm-hmm. because you were healing your body. Right. And, and I was reflecting on that and thinking how, I think that's one of the draws of technology is that technology it's easier to build stuff it's easier to do stuff mm-hmm. it's easier to write code than to do physical therapy and heal your spine right right right, right. but 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 there's a value in the real stuff of life too and i i don't know i just wonder if you have any thoughts about that season of like you want to do this technology thing, but you have to focus on your physical body and your healing. And did God show you anything through that tension? Yeah. So for the benefit of listeners who don't know the story, um, I decided to go full time, um, and step out on faith in the, in starting this ministry about four years ago. And, um, about a year and a half into that journey, I was in a bad accident and broke my back. Um, it took about a year and a half, almost close to two years before I was able to work, um, you know, sitting at a desk, uh, for a good portion of the day. And, 
and it was really frustrating. Um, more from the perspective of, you know, like I felt like God called me to do this thing and I stepped out in faith and like what I've gotten is mostly pain. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's related to technology per se, but, um, I find your question interesting about making things easier or or making them harder in some ways, right? right? Uh, I think a lot about how to make things easier, how to reduce the number of clicks until right. something happens, right? Like if I have a form that someone has to sign up, how can I do that with the you know, the least number of fields someone has to fill out and make trade-offs between having info and having them get through it quickly. Um, and and based on my experience of recovery from my injury, like, that was a very deep um, journey with God that forced me to, like, ask some very basic questions um, like, you know, Jesus, do you actually care about individuals like myself or right. is the way that your Bible is written mostly about communities of people in the church? And, um, and that, that stuff takes time, right? Like I, I can't, you can't reduce the clicks on those questions. Yes, exactly. Right. A lot of that stuff takes time. It takes relationships right. to to talk through and have people pray for you. Um, and so on some level, no matter how easy you make stuff, the work of the disciplines of intimacy with God require time and require space and require a degree of openness to God and humility that, um, that is, that can be tricky to replicate in an online space. Now there is another way of viewing it. Um, you know, one of my friends, he, BJ Fogg, he runs kind of persuasive technology lab at Stanford and and the way that you know he expresses kind of the relationship between doing the easy stuff and the hard stuff is um like if you want to build a habit of flossing your teeth every night you should start with flossing one tooth a night right okay right <laughs> and then start with the easy start with the easy build toward the hard and build towards it right and Weight loss is a billion, you know, multi-billion dollar industry because it's hard for people to develop that habit. Um, And so, yeah, I I think there is something true, too, about helping people take small steps. Um, You know, I was at a conference once and there was this amazing kind of flourishing ministry in Eastern Europe. And... Um, the way that the the people who ran this ministry described their discipleship is every morning they would meet and they would read one Bible verse together, like 100, 200 people in a room, and they would look at a single Bible verse, which to me is fascinating, right? right. Um, and then 
but somehow the fact that there's a community doing that together in a relatively small chunk, but doing it every day became this really powerful thing and the basis for, you know, their ministry that's touched thousands and thousands of young people. Um, And so I think all that to say is that, yeah, spiritual growth can be hard and um, any growth can be hard. Like a human being is hard to change. Uh, I like that. I like the dichotomy between the easy and the hard. And I think, I think that's what sometimes can be dangerous about technology is if you're trying to make things that ought to be hard, easy, then you're in dangerous ground. So, but if you're, you know, filling out a form shouldn't be hard. Right. So let's make that as easy as possible. Right. But prayer and relationship and intimacy and engagement with God's work in the world, those are hard things. Right. And so technology isn't going to take away the difficulty of those things. And you don't want to. You don't want to make it. This isn't, you know, 10 seconds to better engagement with your missionaries. Like, right. you want people to be deep and you want people to be engaged and to be carrying burdens and to be sleepless because of those burdens Mm. and concerned for people i mean you're you want it's like you want to make it easier for people to do hard things and not to take the hard things and make them simple and and just kind of to trivialize them right but you want to make those on roads so that we can find spaces to get to the hard stuff maybe. Yeah. And I think, like you said, community is a big part of that. Community is easily expressed in some ways, anyways, through technology. Repetition is part of that too, doing the same thing over and over. Right. Like you're building up a muscle is part of it. Um, And then, you know, Design decisions, again, can make such a big difference, right? right? Like, on the price I only experience, it would have been easy enough to put a timer there so that someone couldn't exit that page right. until they spent a minute praying, You can't for click example. I prayed for this until some <laughs> appropriate length of holy prayer time had passed. But at the same time, we're like... Expressing through the technology, like, what God's character is. And part of that is he meets us where we are. Right. And, you know, he is a God of grace and not of guilt. Um, because that, that's like the foundational truth. You don't want to rack up seconds for prayer and have little <laughs> flags going off. And no, I no. can count my seconds. Like I count my likes. I mean, right. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I try to go, you know, to, to keep that in mind. Like, yeah, God is gracious, he is patient, he is good, and that really needs to be reflected in the design decisions that we design make. Design decisions that don't just seek outcomes, but seek to embody the character of God. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Well, uh, there's two questions I always like to ask people at the end of conversations. The first is just for yourself and for, you know, you've got children and you're looking at the world, the world changing, what are you most excited about that technology can offer the world looking forward? Wow, that's a big question. 
maybe not most, you know, maybe what, what are you excited about? What, what interests you? What do you think technology has to offer us? You know, personally, one thing that is exciting is, um, technology provides a means of access for those who lack access to either knowledge or connections or even a market, right? And so thinking about people in the developing world um, having access to those things, I find really exciting. Um, I think we talk a lot, especially in the current political climate in the States, about how technology and community and various ways that communities are set up leads to fragmentation um, and divisiveness, but it's possible that it can go the opposite way as well, right? More people connect people and help them find the ways that they're similar to one another. Um, Yeah. And technology can do, you know, storytelling, things like storytelling are huge. Like that's how God has communicated with us so powerfully over the years and um the ability of technology and media to to tell those stories and to retell those stories and to help us claim ownership of those stories yeah, i think great. is really interesting yeah so then the corresponding question is looking forward for yourself for your kids for your community what are you afraid of Right, technology might might do. Um, I mean, honestly, I'm not as afraid of technology as I am <laughs> just humanity of people. Right? <laughs> sure. Uh, there's, yeah, and, and I think it's a little trite to say, but it is true that. You know, whatever technology can be used for good and evil and all that. But, like, there is a human tendency um, in a lot of contexts towards, like, selfishness, greed, lust, envy. Um, Yeah, and, and those things will be expressed. Right. Right. So our, the original definition of technology extends our capabilities. It extends our capabilities for all those things. Right. Right. Um, I think attention is another thing because the marketplace for attention is is really really competitive, right. and. Um, and attention matters, right? It matters a lot. I'm encouraged to see, for example, you know, on my Pixel phone, Google, you know, I can set up things where it tells me how much screen time I spend and which apps I use. Um, And so I think some of that is encouraging. Yeah, that we're paying attention to what we're paying attention to. Yeah, what is it that we're paying attention to yeah. and what's worth paying attention to? Um, yeah, and it comes up in little things. Like, I've kind of stopped v- videotaping my kids right. um, at their events, right? Like, 
I don't know, dance events and whatever, because I don't want that experience mediated by a screen um, in between me and them. Uh, But, you know, that's going to be different for different people. But, uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, people can can work a bit, you know, on on helping folks prioritize what they already want to prioritize for their attention and for their lives. Great word. Well, thanks, Ian. Yep, it's been great talking with you. Oh, thank you. It's been, uh, yeah, it's yeah. been fun. Thanks yeah. for so the good questions. and you've got a great introduction video on the website, and it'll be linked in the description of the podcast as well. So, thanks for talking with us. Yep, thanks right. for having me. Thank you for listening to All Things New Tech. We hope you continue the conversation by subscribing to our blog at allthingsnew.tech. We have a variety of authors working together to develop a biblical framework for engaging with technology. Check it out. Join the conversation.